And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. To Be Honest is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Did you know NFL ticket prices tend to drop right before the game starts? GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, then shows you all the best last-minute deals, with prices up to 60% off. 60% off. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the GameTime app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. I'm telling you right now, it's really easy to use. It took me two taps, literally two taps. Pulled it up, clicked on what I wanted to get, clicked that, and then it sent me to where I needed to be. So head over to the App Store or Play Store now to download GameTime and score awesome deals on last-minute tickets. Welcome back for another episode of To Be Honest. I'm your host, D'Angelo Williams, and this is a special social media curated episode of To Be Honest. I'm going to welcome in my co-host, Jake Seeley. Bro, I am excited about this. Apparently, there's people that want to ask us questions in the social media universe, and we are here to respond, baby. <laughs> see, hey, now you're really coming into my world. You should see like the comments on my article. This is going to be fun. I'm going to see. This is what D'Angelo gets to live like Jake for a change. This is what, I got. You know what? Before uh, we even get to it, I got one little beef to pick with you, though. I'm surprised you haven't. You're so excited. Have you not brought up Kenneth Gainwell yet this year? Like, that's your boy. He's tearing it up. That's my, to be honest, question for you. I'm not bringing anything up as it relates to the Memphis Tigers because we have always been a school of prestige. We've been in this position numerous times before. I Let me act like I've been there before because I have. Okay. All right. Just because your university, that institution that you call a prison down there is not doing well. You know, just let my Memphis Tigers just cruise through. Let us just, you know, break this BCS thing and get in there and get all that money and, you know, win games and continue to be the university that we we know we are all right well then speaking of cruising through then let's just jump right into the mailbag like we actually i don't have to read all the questions d'angelo i don't have to what? do it yeah yeah how about that no way bro who do you got we we have we have somebody to read the what well hold up <laughs> <laughs> we have the budget for that now like we went from 80s porn intro music <laughs> to having our own like hip-hop and now we got a a reader like a this is going to be interesting. I, yeah, I a, hope he comes with a snarky <laughs> voice with it too. I, I have to. I have to promise Zuri I would take him to Chick Fil A. That's that was our budget. <laughs> Popeyes, Chick Popeyes better. <laughs> oh God, here we go. <laughs> to be honest, it is not. All right, first question, Zuri. <laughs> All right, Popeyes or uh, whatever you have, I'll be ready for it. First question comes from Tanner, and he's at T Clark. Or excuse me. Uh, okay, first question comes from Tanner, and he's at oh T. Clark says, <laughs> he's at T. Clark says on Twitter. Uh, and his question is, y'all should talk about what happens once the games end. Who goes home? Who goes out? And all the in-between. 
Well, that's this is you got y'all y'all. Uh, this isn't me, D'Angelo. This is only for you. I've never <laughs> been y'all. I've never been able to. I, I'm actually kind of curious. What do you do? You guys do you have like clicks? I see we didn't c- certain groups. We didn't blow our budget on a great <laughs> <laughs> social media reader. I see. I see where we save money at here. I see that. I'll get uh, in the form. <laughs> Uh, but it, well, it depends if you're married and you got a wife and kids, obviously going out is probably really not an option or it's like, you know, f- you got to kind of prep the wife for it before you go out. Like, Hey, you know, we win this game, you know, the guys go want to go out, uh, you know, to get that. But normally the single guys or the younger guys, you know, they tend to go out. But I, I would say this, I would want more of my guys after a football game to go out versus the ones that go out before a football game, because the ones that go out before a football game is usually the ones with the pent up aggression. And then you later find them, you know, hidden, you know, your news feed saying, Hey, you know, they got into an altercation. It's very rare in my opinion that during the football season, after a game, when guys go out, they have an issue because that's usually when they've already took out their anger and they just want to relax and decompress. So this is a great opportunity for them to decompress uh, out in the club with their friends versus, you know, being at home, maybe stuck up or, you know, in that tight, confined space, really wanting to get out. That's usually when something bad happens. But yeah, I, who who goes out? Normally the ones that are single or the ones that have girlfriends or family in town, but the ones that usually always stay in are the ones that are married. <laughs> I remember, you know, trying to get Jake. I wanted to get Jake Delhomme to go out so bad when I first got to the Carolina Panthers. Never would go out with me. I would have went. This Jake would have went. I went. I, I, you know, this, I forgot about this. I actually got yelled at the only time I ever did. I was an intern with the Norfolk Tides, and they. Uh, I seriously, I did. I got yelled at. We went out. There was this steak place down by us over here where you cooked your own steaks, and so you went and you picked them out, and then you cooked your own. It was kind of like their thing or whatever. But anyway, I'm I'm surprised they got rid of that with all the health codes. That's not surprising. But anyway, they took out the entire team and the entire staff, and I was an intern, and it was like, hey, go have your meal, and I had my meal. I got a small steak at first because I was trying to be cognizant, like I was taught, you know, to be cognizant of those type of things. So I was like, hey, you know, I'm not going to get a big steak. And I saw people going up for seconds and I was like, oh, okay, I guess it doesn't matter. So I went and got a second (laughs) steak. And as I sit down with it, I got pulled over. They're like, why'd you take two steaks? I was like, well, everybody was kind of doing it. I just, you know, my first one was really small. They're like, no, no, no. You're an intern. That was for the players. The players get as much as want. You get one steak. <laughs> like, I reprimanded for taking two steaks. Did you eat the damn steak, though? Well, did yeah, at that point, because they said it was too late. Put- but, you know, I, I, I was very yeah. red-faced and kind of whatever. Yeah, it was, it was just- <laughs> Dude, How do you eat your steak? This will let me know if I can trust you or not. Oh, how straight medium. Straight medium. Oh, season such a weak guy. Season uh, medium rare, man. No, nah, no. So, well, it depends on what your definition of medium and medium rare is. Medium for me is the middle, very middle part has to have red in it. See, medium, <laughs> medium rare is like a red all the way through. Rare is yes. purple. So, medium, you have to have the red in the middle with a very dark pink. See, me- okay, yeah. See, so I do the real medium. I do the right medium. Okay, so before we move on, this is this is a very think about this before you answer this question. Don't just <laughs> jump out there because there's a lot of people in the social media world want to know this hard hitting question. Do you use steak sauce or no. no steak sauce? No, I don't even have to think about it. No, I said seasoned and seared. If you need to use steak sauce, you didn't cook your steak right. 
Okay. All right. Well, don't say that to my wife because my <laughs> wife, she doesn't she doesn't give a damn where we go. It could be folks folly. It could be uh, uh, a prestigious steakhouse. It could be Ruth Chris. Here, it could here be you go, anywhere D'Angelo. we go. Here's how I know you don't know what to do with your steaks is when you put A1 on it. And here's how I know you should be put in an asylum is if you put ketchup on it. Oh, yeah, that's the worst. But see, this is the thing, though. My wife does not put steak sauce on her steak. She puts it to the side and dips her. She cuts her steak (laughs) and dips it in the steak sauce. Uh, It's so annoying. You wouldn't believe how many restaurants we've been to where the cook has come out and was like, hey, you know, is there something wrong with your steak? (laughs) She's like, no, it's great. She was like, well, he was like, you don't need steak sauce. She was like, if you want me to eat your steak, it's going to require me to put steak sauce on it. Uh-huh. And I'm like, honey, you're just you're so embarrassed. And she was like, well, order it to go. <laughs> I love you, yeah. Mrs. Williams, but you're insane. All right, look, hey, yes, you, you don't even get much. Zuri for the second question. We actually got somebody to call in for this one. So, uh, Zuri, do you want to just really? queue it up or do you, do you want to introduce it? I don't know how you want to do this one. <laughs> Let's I was going to say probably him queuing it up is probably better because we saw how he read the first. Well, yeah, one. <laughs> you do have to say you have to say who it's from, Zuri. So at least you have to yes. do that. Part. Okay. For what it's worth, I do steak the wrong way. I'm a medium rare guy. And uh, yes, our next question comes from MLB Moving Averages, and he's at MLB Moving AVG on Twitter. And uh, let's listen to his question. Hey, big what's up to the entire To Be Honest crew. Thanks for taking my question. Uh, my name is John L. I'm the man behind the algo at MLB Moving Averages. You can follow me on Twitter. I also do some content creation for WindailySports.com. Uh, today, my question is for you, D'Angelo, and it's in regard to running back committees. Now, we know that you were part of one of the most popular tandems in recent memory with Jay Stu, and you really don't make it to that point without being incredibly competitive. Now, we know that you guys are friends, but we also know that you want to score all the touchdowns. So my question for you is, what's the balance like in the relationship between two running backs trying to share work? Thanks so much for taking my question. Guys, Olin Beast, Jake, love you. Keep up the great work. Okay. Oh, that's a that's very that's a very interesting, intriguing question by a fan. Uh, and it's a simple answer, uh, but it's also complex in the same sense. Here's my answer. So me and Jonathan, when I when I got there, I was already in a running back by committee because Deshaun Foster was there. So they let me know once Jonathan got there, even when I got there, they said, hey, you know, this is going to be a running back by committee. It's you when you know it going in, it's a lot easier to understand and comprehend and take in then versus you've been there for a while and then they want to all they want to go to running back by committee now there's issues there so when Jonathan got there I knew that hey anything outside the 20 if I get inside the five Jonathan's coming in he's taking that touchdown so that's what made us better is the fact that if I broke free I had to score because if I got tackled at the one yard line that was Jonathan's touchdown So it made us better as a team. And you have to understand, too, we're fighting with each other, not against each other. I knew that Jonathan was going to get paid. He knew I was going to get paid. So we knew that the payday was coming. And we knew that the running back by committee wouldn't have hindered us in our process. Well, nowadays, you know, there's, you know, I think there's only one team, in my opinion, that really, truly goes by running back by committee. And that's New England. And that's assuming they run the ball. Everybody else has that premier running back where he comes in and then somebody spells him later. But we had the true running back by committee where, you know, Jonathan would get in, they'd leave him in. Uh, I'd go in, they'd leave me in and we just alternate based on, you know, uh, how we feel. And then once we got down to the goal line, obviously Stewart was a heavier back. He was our goal line back. So I would tell Jonathan all the time, whenever I broke free, I was like, dude, I'm not getting caught. And even if I did get caught, I'm gonna fight tooth and nail to get in because I know once I, 
go down, you're coming in and that's going to be a <laughs> touchdown. And that's how it worked. So fantasy owners, you know, that are out there know that, hey, you know, when you see guys like balling and like have the hot hand, like it's a hot hand until it's time for the other guy to come in. And they didn't they didn't go by, you know, hot hand in terms of, you know, oh, you're running well. We're going to keep you in on the goal line. No, 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 no. That's Jonathan's job. He he is. And I loved him for it. Uh, I, I didn't I, I actually underappreciated his work until the Green Bay game. Uh, so we're playing the Green Bay Packers, and I had four one-yard touchdowns. I don't know if you remember this, Jake. You're a fantasy guy. Oh, I Not do. sure why you're a fantasy guy, but yeah. <laughs> I had the four uh, one-yard touchdowns because Jonathan was banged up. We called it, it your was Jerome Bettis day because he had three one-yard uh, touchdowns. It, it was your Jerome Bettis day. <laughs> yeah, oh, it sucked, bro. It was the hardest yard in all of football. And I would come to the sideline, and I would tell Jonathan, man, I was like, dude, you know what? I underappreciated you, man. I can't wait till you come back because these goal line carries are a lot heavier than these, you know, these 20-yard runs or these 50 or 80-yard runs where you can stretch your legs a little bit and it's just all go. But fighting for every tooth and nail down under one-yard line, it's a smaller feel. So, yeah, I love my running back by committee. That's why I feel like I was able to play 11 years in the National Football League is because I shared carries with Jonathan. A lot of people get me and Jonathan mixed up as well because they say, hey, you was hurt all the time or he was hurt all the time. Where, in fact, you know, we had our fair share of injuries, but that that's 100 percent in the National Football League. It was just that with this fantasy football stuff, injuries matter. Whereas in the National Football League, winning does. Oh, I still, so that's my answer to this to that. date. I remember another play too. This D'Angelo, you were running down the far sideline on a huge play, and I remember because people still confused you at that time. Somebody's like, "Oh, is that Jonathan Stewart?" I was like, "Dude, do you not know the numbers? That's D'Angelo. Come on, <laughs> like, come on." Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's even funnier now because I could be going through the airport here in Charlotte or somewhere else, like coming back from Pittsburgh or somewhere, and it could be a Carolina Panther fan, and they'd be like, "Jonathan, man." I miss you, man. I miss you so much. And they would talk about me to me like I wasn't really a fan of D'Angelo. And I'm like, yeah, me neither. <laughs> and I'm just like, I totally get it. I totally understand. You know, I've gotten mistaken. See, gotten that's why you need to Steve be like Philip Lindsay and uh, Royce Freeman. You need to look like a lot different. That's the problem. <laughs> yeah, but we are a lot different. I know. That's what's crazy. I was, I, I was talking about, he's like, Philip Lindsay's a little bit light skinned. That's why I was saying. So, like, at least you got that yeah. going. But I just I roll with them because I I totally understand where they come from. You know we have helmets on. You know thirty. No, next time it happens, you need to make them real uncomfortable and just be like, "Man, that's racist." That's like that's your response to me. <laughs> you know I want to do that sometime. It it <laughs> I remember I I'm gonna tell you this quick story which was really funny. So me and Jonathan uh we go out and uh you know we're we we've had a night out we've had a couple drinks. Uh, we come back, we go grab something to eat. We're at midnight diner. We're sitting there. I'll never forget this. Like this drunk fan comes up and he was like, oh, dude, D'Angelo Weeds, man. He was like, I'm a huge, pe- a huge fan, man. I've been a fan of yours forever, dude. I hate that fucking Jonathan Stewart guy, dude. And I'm like, oh God, no. And like, I could see Jonathan face and I'm like, oh, this is not going to end well. And I'm like, bro, uh, you know, that's Jonathan right there. He was like, Oh, for real? I'm a fan, dude. Like, <laughs> no. No. So Jonathan was like, get the hell out of here. And I'm like, oh, gosh. So then, obviously, I played damage control. And he was like, nah, dude, you know, I knew that was you. And I'm like, no, you didn't. Dude. Like, <laughs> no, you, so, you can't pull it You so one. screwed this whole interaction off. Like, yeah. He was like, so you guys hang out? And I'm like, 
obviously. (laughs) (laughs) You probably should have checked your surroundings before you came in hot like that. But yeah, but it it literally happens all the time. And people have number recognition, not necessarily face and name recognition. That's certainly fair. All right. (laughs) Let's get our third one. Yeah. We gotta get yeah, well, okay. Shame on these Panthers fans for not knowing who's on their team. Let's go to the third question. This comes from Double Dog Derek, and Derek is D-E-R-E-K. And he says, to be honest, on Hard Knocks, John Gruden had rookies introduce themselves with their signing bonuses. Got me thinking, how is it when your salary is public knowledge? Is there a weird dynamic, or do most guys just work hard at themselves knowing a bigger payday could be coming? Okay, so what do you think about this, Jake? And then I'll tell you what I think about it. So, uh, look, I, I understand it comes with the territory. Like me, I've I've always been a very personal, private when it comes to money. Like even when I get raises and people are like, oh, let's celebrate your what, raise. What do you, what do you, I so, so hold up, Jake, before you finish. What do you mean it comes with the territory? I want to make sure I get a better understanding. Because for if you, you look at CEOs and owners and stuff like that, like nobody knows how much Bill Gates is worth. Right, that's what I'm saying. give you kind of like with, a, a ballpark figure. You're in the one area where it comes with the territory. Like, that's what I'm saying. It's like for athletes, the athletes are the, I mean, this, unless it's revealed, like you said, even those, even if you had like the CEO financial reports, there's still stuff on the side of bonuses and all that type of stuff. Like there's taking out other kind of money. The, the, right. the athlete is the one where it's 100% public knowledge and I'm really interested to hear your take on this because that's what I was saying. For my private life, I don't want like the only people that even know how much I make are my direct my parents and my sister. That is it. I don't like to share it with anybody else. I'll never share it with anybody else. I actually kind of find it weird when I have friends that are like, "Oh, I'm you know making. I just got a raise. I'm making like sixty five thousand now." Like I just think that's weird to share that information just because it's a very private thing in my opinion. So I'm kind of curious to what your answer is going to be on this. Well, see, I got a, I got a double take on this. Uh, I I absolutely, when I was playing, it was the dumbest thing ever. I would ask all the time. I was like, why would they? Why would they put a target on our backs by telling people how much money we're worth? But then I thought about it, and I was like, it makes sense. There's a lot of people in the National Football League that are stars, celebrities, and people hold high not because their skill on the field, but because of how much money they make. So if I can get a quarterback that makes, you know, X amount of dollars uh, and say that he makes X amount of dollars when he step in a room or when he goes anywhere, he's instantly like a celebrity, not because of his talent, but because of the money that he makes. Paris Hilton, she was a celebrity, not because of her talent, but because of the money that she made. And a video. So. Right. I mean, yeah, I, I didn't want to get to that. But, <laughs> but but you just think about that, though. It's it has nothing to do with talent. But if I can market, you know, big name players, you sit in the NBA all the time in the NBA all the time. That is the worst league as it relates to making unfamiliar names and faces popular mega celebrities because we don't know who they are you just like somebody go across the ticket just signed a five-year that's si- yeah that siakam guy like, just signed a huge contract guy? a lot of people don't even know who siakam is so let me ask you that like let's, right. let, let's continue but then you with look this. them up though and you got it you want a better understanding like who the hell is this guy right so, so does now that this guy make you celebrity. mad when you see like other sports like does it i, I want to pivot off this question with an like a kind of like a follow-up like as an nfl player is that do you believe that there really is a rift in the nfl when they look at the nba and say why are these guys making so much when we make only this? Oh, it's 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 huge. It's huge. And that's the thing that the NFL is fighting is they're fighting the NBA. You know, I, I'm not so sure if some of the owners have came over and our commissioners talked to their commissioner like, hey, man, 
we got to get a cap on this thing or something, man. You know, why don't you guys kind of go back to what we're doing? And they're like, ah, the, the LeBron James of the world won't let that happen. Whereas in the National Football League, you got 1,800 guys all on different pay scales. So they all fighting for different reasons. So it's harder for 1,800 guys to get on the same page than it is for 32 owners, which are already on the same page. We want to pay you less, but we expect more. So it's easier for those guys to come together. But kind of going back to the salaries being, uh, you know, public, I would ask that question year in a year. Like, how the hell are our salaries public? Because we don't say anything about it. Yeah. But then you you have these agents that want the salaries to be public because if I just got you a astronomical deal and there's other guys out there that are looking for agents to get the same deal, then that's great marketing for me as an agent. Because I just got yeah. you 40 or 50 million. So now I can get other clients and other guys. But then it works twofold for you because, you know, the NFL say, hey, we want to protect our players. Well, if you want to protect your players, the one thing that you want to protect protect most is your players' pockets. And how do you protect your players' pockets? By not releasing how much they're made, how much they're going to make or how much they're worth. Because once you do that, you instantly put a target on that guy's back, whether it's a woman, whether it's friends, whether it's, you know, criminals, you know, you you open them up to all of that. Whereas you kept it private. Don't say anything. People under their rookie contract, people are under the assumption once you're on your rookie contract, you don't have money. It's after that rookie contract when people are like, oh, man, you a millionaire. <laughs> That's uh, yeah. That's that's what I said. It's it's definitely specific for you guys. All right, so let's. Oh yeah, and it's awful too, man. They need to fix it because I don't know how much any of the track guys make. Do you know how many? Like how much you think Michael Phelps is worth? (laughs) You don't know because they don't talk. I I mean, they don't talk about it. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, I'm sure millions, but who knows? I actually wonder that a lot. Like I I wonder that a lot when I see the like the Olympians and they ninety percent of their life is training for the Olympics. I'm like, how are you surviving? Like I'm assuming there's got to be something. Yes. Like, I, I, I've always wanted to know, how much is Gabby Douglas worth? Right. Like, she's been on boxes and stuff. Like, nobody's ever said she signed a multi-million dollar deal with so-and-so, so-and-so worth X amount of dollars. Like, literally, they can stop performing. Like, Gabby Douglas can stop performing in a year or two. She can go out in public and not have any worries. Like, yeah, Sean White. None the whatsoever. snowboarder, skateboarder guy. He made tons of money, I'm assuming, real quickly. and Right. Yeah. And he can live a normal life. Like, yeah. he can walk outside, not have any issues going through the airport. He doesn't have to buy the elaborate jets that cost, you know, those guys that are super famous, you know, millions and millions of dollars to maintain and to purchase and the fuel and going all those extra steps to keep themselves away from the public eye. You don't have to do that if you just live a lifestyle of – not having your money being, uh, you know, screwed through the media and through the public, you can live a normal, somewhat life. All right. So speaking of normal lives, uh, some <laughs> people have to uh, take painkillers for their. This is it. Yeah, I'm just going to leave this one to you. Jerry, you read it. I got. I just. I just want to <laughs> sit back and listen. Yeah. Uh, uh-huh. After a quick Google search, Gabby Douglas might be worth about three million. Sean White somewhere between twenty and forty, and oh uh, Michael Phelps around sixty. Um, so what, yeah. what, what, wait, what? Around don't, don't 60? Don't just brush Michael Phelps. He's 60. <laughs> yeah, oh around, around 60. So, wow. That's, that's, that's how it breaks down with different sports. Now, yeah, next question is about prescription drugs, and this comes from Maximus, and he said, I eat centers. And okay. the question is, is prescription drug use as rampant as the media portrays, or is it worse? And how real is the concussion management if you're a star player? 
are you pressured to get through the stages faster? Okay, so I, I I'm gonna pose this question to you, Jake, because Jake, you haven't been in the locker room. Uh, you are. I'm gonna put you at the trainer position. Okay, you are the head trainer for the New England Patriots. Okay, right. I'm giving you a hypothetical here. Your job is to get players out on the field. That's what you do. You report back to the head coach. You say, hey, you know, what's going on? Tom Brady gets a concussion. He has to go through concussion protocol. You're the only one. You have to deal with the doctors. The doctors have to deal with you. You have to deal with the coach. So all you're filtering everything. You're the conduit between the player, the doctor, and yourself. So the doctor oh. come back to you and he says, hey, you know, he's cleared everything that he needs to clear. Tom Brady come to you and he says, hey, man, you know, I'm still feeling a little fuzzy, but I think I may be able to play. I'm not so sure, but, you know, I'm still seeing spots, you know, and you tell him like, hey, you know, the doctor cleared you. So now it's time for you to go talk to Bill Belichick. Do you <laughs> tell Bill Belichick that he's clear to play or do you tell him like, hey, you know, I don't think we should play Tom this week. And this is a game to get you into the playoffs. What decision do you make? And also, you have to understand the decision you make may cost you your job so, and <laughs> how you feed your family. So what decision are you making from that point, Jake? So I know a lot of people out there wouldn't believe me, but you know me. And that's a part of the reason you always joke about it. It's like, oh, you're the good guy. Like me, ethics wise, I've actually turned down an opportunity because it went against my ethics. And in that case, it's my ethics. And I would say... I'm not going to risk somebody's livelihood just because I want to keep my job. However, I could easily see why a lot of people wouldn't make that same decision and would say, yeah, let's get Tom Brady out there. Right. And and I'm just saying, I he said megastar. I just used Tom Brady because they just played. Uh, and I, I just, I'm not wishing any ill will on him. I'm just using that as an example. But it goes time and time and time again. I've been in a training room where a trainer have told me or not necessarily told me, but I've heard them say, Hey, you know, if it come down to my job or your job, your ass is out of here. Yeah. Because obviously they've been there for a long standing. They have a great relationship with the coaches, the coaches and a long uh, relationship with the owner. Cause if you notice when coaching staffs get fired, the training staff is still there. Yeah. You're, it's the same right. training staff. Yeah, they don't fire the training staff and the coaches. No. So with that being said, when you say, hey, uh, when you ask the questions, hey, are prescription drugs that rampant? It depends on what prescription drugs are you talking about? Are you talking about painkillers? No, not so much. Are you talking about anti-inflammatories? Absolutely. Everybody's on anti-inflammatories. Everybody's on it. I mean, you have to take those in order to keep, you know, little bumps and bruises down in that bay. You know, you only you got 17 weeks. That's the regular season. You don't take them. Every day, but you take them as necessary to keep that inflammation at bay. I I can't say that I've seen people just take prescription medicine and be done with it. Like I know all the guys that I played around stayed away from it because everybody was scared of, uh, you know, what happened in Green Bay with uh, Brett Favre. You know, when Brett Favre came out and he said, hey, you know. So when that happened, everybody was like, damn, if Brett Favre can be addicted to painkillers, man, we probably should stay away from those. Yeah. Which is so it hope. was more so, right, right. So it was more so anti-inflammatories, uh, like you know the uh, stuff like only the anti-inflammatories that I know of 
that people were on to keep the, you know, the knees down or the ankles down to keep those joint pains or that swelling at bay so they can play the next week. That's all that I know of again. But then, you know, again, the second part, when you say concussions, uh, I don't think the NFL did enough. They just did enough to keep the fans quiet. Hey, I'm going to say we're doing research. All I got to do is say we're doing research on something and it'll keep fans at bay. Hey, you know, we're researching this. We're trying this new helmet. What the hell is a new helmet at, Jake? Have you seen a new helmet? <laughs> no. Have you seen anything I'm, from I'm the research? I'm because I've asked that, that question for years. Right, but nobody talks about that, though. All I got to do is say I am doing research. We're looking into it, and everybody's like, oh, man, disaster averted with no <laughs> resolution in sight. I've I've asked the like, same oh, question okay. for years. Like, how do we have so much technology and yet you still can bang your head against the turf and get a concussion? Like, this is still where we're at. Yes, and only until somebody catches a, a like a really massive concussion does that talk come up. Like when the quarterback from the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers he went down. Everybody was talking about, hey, you know, what type of helmet was he wearing? I, like, how is this still happening in this game? Was it malicious by the safety that hit him? No, and, and you just see, like, Dude, it goes like, away in a week or two as well. Like it just right, it, it, it goes just, away, and right, like nobody, nobody's checked on Mason outside of the Pittsburgh Steelers fan base. All the people that was talking, like, oh my gosh, it looked like he died on the field. Like, where were, you, where are you now? Yeah, it's two weeks has gone no by, three weeks have gone by. Yeah, what, you gonna check in on him? Make sure he's doing okay, or you just that was just your knee jerk reaction to the play. All like right. instead so, of having knee jerk reaction, have a real interest in what's going on. Like if you really want to fight for concussions and you really want to know the answer to that, all you got to do is Google. Hey, you know what's going on with the research that the that the NFL said that they was doing? Like it's been five, ten years and no helmet has come out. Like obviously the helmets change every year, but and every helmet is supposed to prevent concussions, but it has nothing to do with the NFL. Nothing at all. Like Luke Keekley to this day, he wears a thing around his neck and like there's no extra cushion in his helmet. It's just a regular helmet that they got from a helmet company, not through the research of the NFL. It's the research through the helmet company that provided the helmet. Hey, look, I'm not disagreeing with you at all. So here's another. This is another. I, I'm, this is going to be truthful D'Angelo today. Like tell behind the scenes. This is although hey, Zuri, like I, I thought you'd be like ruffling through papers for these questions or something. Oh like, yeah, 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 yeah. I think I'll let them. I think I'll let post. <laughs> <laughs> so shall we move on? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Okay. Go ahead, Zuri, what you got? Okay. Next question comes from David, and he's at M A R one K L E on Twitter, and I'm going to read this the way that it's written. Um, he says, to be honest, real story behind control apparel and shoe companies have over NFL teams and players. Involvement of such companies in, in kneeling activism. Thoughts on LeBron? There's a lot going on in this question, but I think he's basically getting at um, how much power do these shoe companies have over players and what they actually have to say in the media? Well, OK, so it, it breaks down like this. It depends on how much the shoe deal or the apparel deal is. So if you're getting paid $15 million a year, if you're a quarterback or if you're running back making seven, eight million dollars a year and the apparel company is paying you half a million dollars a year, they don't have much say so as people think they do in the NFL. Like Odell Beckham Jr., he makes what, 20 plus million from his uh, apparel company. So obviously he would I mean, he's making 20 million dollars a year. So, you know, 
they may have some say so as it relates to what OBJ does. Uh, but in the NBA, they sign massive contracts that are sometimes way bigger than um, the actual money that they make on the court. So with that being said, they have a lot more say so in the NBA, in my opinion, than they would in the NFL. So backtracking to LeBron James, LeBron James is the face of the NBA. I, I applaud LeBron James. I used to really dislike LeBron James, like the, the greatest <laughs> of all time as it relates to basketball athletically and like basketball skill wise is Michael Jordan. But I applaud him for his activism from a standpoint of he doesn't care how much money he makes. Well, he probably does because he got a lot of backflack on the China thing. But as it relates to activism, Michael Jordan and those guys back in the days never did that because it was all about their brand. It was it was unheard of for a player to speak out. That's why the guy that stood up, did the fist uh, during the Olympics is you know, more talked about than anybody from his activism. And, you know, players kind of talked about it. You know, they kind of danced around it. You know, Muhammad Ali, he stared it in the face as it relates to activism for, you know, colored people uh, or black and brown people. So LeBron standing up and doing that and putting his brand on the line is something that, you know, I look at it and I'm like, I'm impressed. Whereas, you know, guys that make that type of money wouldn't do that. Whereas it comes to kneeling in the National Football League um, and the protests, I totally understand it. I get it. I know where it came from. I know where it started from. Started with Kaepernick. He talked to a, a Green Beret. He asked him what would be better, me taking a knee, uh, me sitting down. And he was like, hey, you know, knee shows, you know, reverence. He was like, I want to do this for all the injustices that are going on in America. And this is what I found out. People that don't understand a cause like uh, gay men fighting for uh, equality or women fighting for equality in terms of getting paid equal pay. Like there's a fight going on for equality in some aspect of life for everybody. Who are we to say it's something else because we don't understand it? So with that being said, like I just like people understand my cause of breast cancer. Because I fight for breast cancer does not mean I turn a blind eye to domestic violence. It's it's out there. It happens. I understand that. That's somebody that that too is my cause because it's your cause. But because it hasn't happened to me and I don't understand that shouldn't mean like when you say something, you do something. I change the narrative to where I understand it. So I, I get it. I get it. I totally 100% get it. So as it relates to the NFL, shoe companies and brands that, uh, you know, push out these endorsements don't have as much say so in the National Football League because they're the most of their money is coming from the contract that they signed with the team, not necessarily what they did with the brands. But if the brands want to have more leeway as it relates to telling people not to do certain things then they need to pay these guys more money so they're more likely not to turn down all the money than it is than the little you know pennies that they're they're offering as it relates to what their contract is what about you jake no i, I i'm on the same page as all of you with that and this you definitely you're in a position a hell of a lot more than i am for that that stance yeah. so i'm yeah. with you i think yeah. uh when i try to when i also too jake when i try to explain to people you know, uh, how it feels to to not know what somebody else is going through. 
like obviously like my wife i tell my wife all the time because uh you know she's been pregnant three times with our three kids and i was like you know i want a fourth and she was like uh yeah you don't have to carry a baby for nine months <laughs> and i was like yeah you're right i i won't ever know what it feels like to carry a baby for nine months nor have i ever thought about carrying a baby for nine months i don't even know what that feels like People have tried to hook up monitors and stuff like that, but we don't know what that truly feels like. The fact of the matter is, is when I lay down with my wife or you lay down with your wife or any man out there to lay down with a woman, the last thought going in my head, going through any of our head is, man, we could wake up pregnant. It's true. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so if that's the case, how can we tell somebody how they supposed to feel if we have no idea what they're feeling? Right. Like, think about that, Jake. <laughs> um, hey, look, I'm not disagreeing with you. You just got yeah. you got super deep. I just I, I, we did. Yeah, <laughs> these questions, man. You leave it up to the fans. We got to do this next week. I like they got really good questions. Uh, I, I'm enjoying this a lot. Let's let's move on. Speaking of uh, waking up in a new situation, this next question is about Jalen Ramsey, and this comes yes. from this comes from Marty, and Marty's at Beamer Cleaner oh, with an underscore in between the two words. Yeah, that's that's Marty north of the border in Canada. He's a he's a loyal follower. Oh, very okay. nice. Okay. Okay. Well, okay. thank you, Marty. And his question is pretty open ended. He just says, "Talk about the Jalen Ramsey situation from a player's point of view." Oh no, hold on. Mar- Marty was cool until Marty's obviously not listening to the show. We did this, D'Angelo. <laughs> we talked about this two weeks ago. We, we Marty, have did Marty, this. you're we, not cool anymore. Yeah. Yeah, you're definitely not cool. You want to take this one, Jake? <laughs> no, no, no. This is all you. But you can quick hit this one because we already no, covered no, no, this. No, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. You, you, you quick hit it, and then I'll just, I'll, I'll follow back on so you. if i remember correctly when i asked you and i said about the locker room and teammates being like hey aren't you here for the team and you told me this was your quote i believe for word for word was when you hear about players being family that's a bunch of bullshit and that was your exact quote so yes i, I like yes. I, I think that you're on the same page that i've always been to support the player making the most money you would like to say you would think like team comes first but it doesn't because everybody's always out for their best possible situation you're not loyal i'm saying people out there listening who work at a normal company if another company offers you a better situation you're going to do your best yes. to go bet in that better situation Yes. And I've I've come to find out, too, that people will inconvenience themselves for more money. Uh, Like, hey, you know, it's a five minute drive down the road and I'm making twenty dollars an hour. I can drive 30 to 40. Uh, oh, no. 45 I, minutes to an hour. And I a have half. a friend who could have went like 10, 15 miles, 15 minutes don't, to work. Don't tell me this. That works that hour and a half in D.C. traffic just for the more money. So there you go. That's what I'm saying. They will inconvenience themselves and will be miserable, miserable. And instead of just saying something or like applying for a new job because they've established their lifestyle around the job that they have. And they're so nervous about taking that, you know, taking a precaution or or going to apply for another job that that job that they, they have right now may fall through or may fire them or get wind that they apply to another job. They don't take those steps, those, okay, well, I'm going to make sure, hey, you know, I'm I'm miserable. I hate this job. The pay is great, but maybe I can go get a job that I'm happy with that maybe pay, you know, a couple of dollars less or maybe a couple of dollars more and take that leap of faith. But they're so scared to take that leap of faith that they've settled into the miserable job that they go into day in and day out instead of writing their resume or um, going to do the extra mile because they're doing it anyway. Right. I was told, and I thought this was the, like the craziest thing that I've ever heard, uh, Jake, 
is that when you work for somebody, you're making somebody else's dreams come true. <laughs> That's a, uh, we should put that on like a, a poster or something. That's a, put that on an office and I'm somewhere, just like, right next to the one with the cat hanging by the branch. <laughs> it's crazy. Cause when you think about it, you, you are. But yeah. when you work for yourself, you make your dreams come true. And there's a very and I'm like, damn, that's kind of yeah. open ended. Yeah, yeah, I know. All right, so let's hit the next one. Thanks for listening, Marty. <laughs> yeah. yeah, thanks, Marty. Yeah, way to be a loyal follower. <laughs> <laughs> he should he should get wise real soon. Okay, let's move yeah. on. Next question comes from Nunya, is in Nunya business, and he's at can't beat eighty six. Oh, there's on another loyal one. There you go. This all right. Oh, we're gonna see how loyal he is. No, though. this this we'll dude keep, this dude keeps trying to hook me up with like famous, good looking celebrities. So oh, yeah. okay. I like he's got right, the pull for that. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a nice guy. Hey, yeah. Yeah, well, you'll, you'll get the first slot next week. All right. Yeah. No, I, I think D'Angelo's uh, got a better chance of helping <laughs> us than this guy does. <laughs> yeah, that, that makes more sense. His question is, uh, to be honest, should likely first-round draft picks sit out after seeing another get hurt like Tua did? I, I, um, this is a hard question. This is a hard answer for me because I, I, I see no problem with players sitting out. I, I'm not upset. I don't think it's stupid. I totally understand. I get it. But the one thing that you're sitting out of is what got you in the position you're in in the first place. So it's kind of like a catch twenty two, right? So you, I, I, I don't understand. It's like this wasn't even a thing when I was playing. Like I, I knew I was going to be a, a a high draft pick. I didn't know I was going to be a first rounder. So I could have completely sat out my senior year, but I that was unheard of. I in college, everybody's amateurs. You know, no one's thinking for themselves because you don't even know to think for yourself at that level. So with that being said, this has to be information that's passed down from agents or like parents because i know uh bosa was getting he was getting hammered for sitting out his senior and he's balling now nobody's talking about it like everybody was like oh that's a great decision for every one player that you say hey they should sit out a senior year that gets hurt there's four or five other players that are just they sat out and was like, dude, I should have played. Should have played. So let me ask you this. So there, there's it, there's no right way. Well, there's no right way. So I think also maybe it's kind of it's the whole the bird in the hand cliche. Like you could look at like Tua is a good example. You could say, let me say, D'Angelo, I'll ask you this question like you're Tua. It would be like come to you and say, hey, if you play this entire season and ball out, you could potentially be the number one pick. If you sit out, worst case, you're going inside the top fifteen, but you might not be the number one pick. Do you sit out with that floor because you're getting the safety of not hurting yourself and potentially ending up being the second or third rounder like Jalen Smith a couple of years ago for the Notre Dame fighting Irish? There you go. Or do you play for the potential of that number one pick? Like, like, is that like a risk aversion thing for you? Do you want me to be honest with you? Yeah, of course. That's the name of if, the show. If, 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 right. If, if, if I know for a fact that I can go number one overall if I played. Uh, that'd be tough for me because I'm just like, eh, I don't know if I want to be number one because number one isn't a good team. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's, so that's a good point. Do I play my right? Do I do I play my cards and I just sit out because now I'm gonna go to a good team if I'm going in the top fifteen? Because as you get later into the draft, the better your odds are getting drafted. So now I'm looking at the draft like, ooh, number one looks like I may be going to the Cincinnati Bengals. Ooh. 
Uh, well, on the flip side, D'Angelo, it could be the Dolphins who have three picks, and you could still end up in the middle of the draft and get the Dolphins. <laughs> but that's that's tough. But that, that's what you that you're juggling a lot of stuff right. in college anyway. Right. But then have to juggle, you know, the, your potential future is uh, is a lot more. So I, I I would say either way, I I I can go either way. I could sit out and not get hurt, and then get hurt my first game back when I get drafted. Or I could just go ahead and roll a dice like I've been rolling the dice since I've been playing football. Like, football is not going to change. Injuries are 100% of the game. If you don't understand that and the team that's drafted you don't understand that, then they're not winning anywhere, i.e. Miami Dolphins. So it's just there's a there's a lot to take in. Just play the game. Play the game. Like, my, my thought process is if you are a sophomore, junior, or senior, uh, and you're playing the game – you already established where you're going to be. You're broke. Either you're broke or you're middle class, <laughs> uh, wherever you are. So if you don't make it, then that's your life. If you do make it, then that's your life. So don't worry. Either play the game or don't. Whatever decision you make, stick with it. Don't go back on it. Because once you start going back, like you play the what-if game, that's when stuff get really seriously uh, involved, and that's when the headaches start. All right. And if, if, if this guy, or I'm assuming it's a guy ever gets me a date, then you can ask as many questions as you want. So let's go. Excellent. Oh, I a hundred percent got you, bro. I got a lot of celebrity questions, uh, <laughs> for celebrities that don't play football. Cause if you've ever noticed like rappers and actors want to be athletes and athletes want to be rappers and actors, I don't understand that. <laughs> That's very true. I've heard some of the music coming out of the NBA. I, I, I don't understand. I, I don't understand it. Like that crossover doesn't work. Like, <laughs> just stop it. Just, <laughs> I want to be like Levar Ball. Stay in your lane, baby. Just stay in your lane. <laughs> you don't want shoes that fall apart off your feet while you're playing. All right, next oh, one, Zuri. Dude, it's crazy. We got to get. We got three more. Three more. Let's see. Yeah, we let's, we'll okay. Get, we'll get through, we'll get through this. And Jake, this one is great for you. Um, okay. This next one comes from Jared, and he said JJ Hazelman too on Twitter, and he asks, "How do you find productive running backs in the era of running back committees this late in the season for a playoff push?" For what is his name? JJ who? JJ Hazelman too. JJ Hazelman too. Go to hell. <laughs> Asking fantasy questions in the two beyond the show. You know I don't like fantasy football, man. I just, I have I have three different four. Wait, one, two, three, four, four or five. I can't even count now. That fantasy shows for this. Jumping in and answering a fantasy question. Come on, D'Angelo, you can ask. Hey, I'll, I'll answer the fantasy question and you can chime in if you want. How about that? Like, let's put it that way. Is that fair? Look, the truth is, here, Go I'm going to tell you what you should have been doing all along. Reading my stuff at The Athletic where you get this podcast because I've been telling you running backs to stash on your bench like Chase Edmonds, like Latavius Murray, because here's what you want, D'Angelo. You talk about the timeshares and stuff like that. Because of your point, you're right. There's so few teams out there that have running backs that are getting 65, 70, 75% of the snaps in the work share that if you have a backup behind that who's going to step into that same role if the lead back gets hurt, those are the guys you want. Like Alexander Madison or Madison or Rykel Armstead. Those are the guys you want, like Chase Edmonds we just saw. So there's your answer. I actually answered it for you, D'Angelo. That 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 was so ridiculous right there. <laughs> Stupid, just so ridiculous. Like, if you can't figure it out on your own, you're not gonna figure it out. Oh, so Case I'm here. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh, to be honest, figure it out. All Jared. things fantasy, Jake Seeley. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let, let, let's move on to these last two. This next question comes from JT Scene, and he's at JT C E N E on Twitter, and he has. Uh, 
go into or he says go into detail of why Thursday night games are a bad idea in terms of recovery and increased injury risk. Curious to listen to what the body feels like the next few days after playing a full game and how long it takes to feel ready for the next game, even if you're not. Okay, so imagine being in a car crash on Sunday. You know how you have the whiplash and the the I, I'm just gonna assume that everybody in here has gotten into some type of accident uh as it relates to uh a moving vehicle not necessarily a car it could be a scooter it could be on a skateboard it could be whatever it is that, that requires wheels and you to get on it has had an accident woke up the next day and you just like oh man i am so sore now imagine doing the same accident that you did on sunday having to do it on thursday hmm. that's how it feels it sucks and mentally you're there but your body is just like hey man hey you've gotten into this routine of you work me out on sunday i get five or six days to recover but now you're telling me you're going to give me three it sucks like I, I i understand that these networks are willing to dish out billions of dollars on thursday in order for us to play and it be publicized and be broadcast but at the same time you preach in the same breath player safety so player safety equals you play on sunday you play on thursday and we're trying to push for an 18 game season oh yeah we're definitely trying to protect our players right along with concussion research (laughs) Uh, i'm laughing because you know i agree with you We've had this yeah, conversation, yeah. yeah. It's this, but I, the problem just, is, is Thursday I, I, night football is not going away. Like we can't do anything about it. Who's watching Thursday night football though? I'm trying to figure uh, out. You know why who's the watching? You're gonna hate so the answer. With... You're gonna hate the answer. You know who's watching? I don't know who's watching. Fantasy some owners. Some people have to go to work on Friday. Fantasy. Oh, that's so awful. Because these fantasy owners are the only reason that the Cincinnati Bengals have people watching them right now, and the Miami Dolphins have people watching them right now, and that's why it's like, look. I, I will tell you this, D'Angelo, when you hear this, like if you were still playing today and you hear like, hey, your reason you're getting viewership and potentially more money because there's more money funneling down are because fantasy owners are interested in what you are specifically doing for their team. Don't you like that? Don't you feel a little bit better about fantasy people when you hear that? I, I don't because <laughs> I, I, you see the good and I see the bad. Okay. I, 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 I told you, I think I walked you through why I dislike fantasy and fantasy I'm going to get you coming around before the end of the year. At at very dark place in my life, you know, a fantasy owner had opportunity to lift me up and he didn't shot me down. Uh, and therefore he has been the poster boy for all things fantasy. <laughs> you can't do that. So that's you can't why do one I, out of the hundred liked... because I get the one out of the hundred and I wouldn't want to do my job if I paid attention to the one out of the hundred. See that that's that's the thing though, Jake. That's what we that's what we differ because that wasn't my job at the time. It was just a passer buyer that he he had no he had no relation to me. I had no relation to him. I couldn't he couldn't do anything for me, but I apparently could do something for him and didn't know it. That's what the problem is. Is I think that's what the problem lies because I was totally guard down, unexpected. Like put all my trust in this guy. And he took it and he balled it up and he threw it in the trash can and set it on fire and then crushed the trash can. So <laughs> he obviously wanted me to go away and wanted hey, me to look, go away back. I bought 
a Deshaun Hamilton jersey just because he won me a league last year. So there you go. See, I put uh, I'm supporting Deshaun Hamilton. I support the players. There's more of us than there are the, like the guys like him. But all right, so fun. I, I, I understand that. I I single handedly have to say this though. Fantasy football is a great thing for the players as it relates to them taking their brand back because now I'm a brand favorite. You see my face, you know my interests, you know my likes. Only because I benefit you, that's the con. But the pro is, is like, hey, I can stand up. I can say something. You can agree with me because I got you 35 fantasy points last week. Well, now that's the thing about fantasy is, is you got to show up every week and you got to keep producing because in that one week you don't produce, those same fans that was patting you on your back are stabbing you now. And it's with a butter knife because they don't want to kill you. They want you to feel their pain like, no other like hey i'm in this fantasy football league that i bought in for a hundred dollars and i have an opportunity to win two thousand and i've already mentally spent the money and you're costing me that if you hear my voice here that means we've reached the end of our ride but there's good news you can listen to more of the show and get 40 percent off by subscribing to the athletic at theathletic.com slash to be honest that's theathletic.com slash to be honest. You'll be able to hear the full show in D'Angelo's most honest takes of the episode. Okay, now you know. Tune in next week, and we'll talk soon. Bye. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.